Welcome back to another episode of One of These Years, our Detroit Lions podcast. I'm Chris Burke, joined by Nick Baumgartner. Uh, post week two here, our third show. Uh, thanks again to everyone who's uh, subscribed so far, rated us, reviewed us. You can get us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Podbean, Google Podcasts, a bunch of spots. As I mentioned before, if, you're, if we're not showing up somewhere, let us know. We'll try to uh, we'll try to fix that. Um, and uh, Nick. <laughs> here we are again chris <laughs> yeah. uh it feels I, I don't does i guess it feels different than last week because the lines because of how yeah. week one played out like this one just felt this one yeah. felt over by the time aaron jones went for that long run yeah. to start the second half to me <laughs> yeah i mean it last week was competitive i mean even if we think the bears aren't great which you know i think that we think that the Bears aren't great. I think that that's a, that's a you know maybe maybe they'll surprise or what have you. I know they they got another win. I think yesterday, right? The Bears did win, but either way, I mean it was a competitive game, and there were things in that game from Detroit that um, sort of lent you to believe that maybe some things were going to trend in a direction that was at least like you know playable or in a in a spot where they would be in position to win some games. But like you said, if it wasn't that that run by Aaron Jones, it was certainly the the final two minutes of the of the first half where you were just like, okay, this team has no confidence. This team has no ability to defend the way they want to defend with the personnel they have, either available or in total. And, you know, this is just trending nowhere incredibly quickly. And that's that was the taste everyone was left with after week two this year. I mean, that's week two. That is horrible. <laughs> yeah, week two. That it's trending towards a disaster that's unrepairable after the second week. And that, you know, it's impossible for us to sit here and explain to anyone today why that's not the case. I mean, that a thousand percent feels like the case and it would be up to them to totally change our minds. But here we are. And it's, it's really, it's a head scratcher, but in some ways I, is it a head scratcher? I don't know. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but it's, and here we are. Yeah. I mean, the only hope is that you start to get a few guys healthy. The offense yeah, it plays well for sixty minutes, and you know maybe it comes together a little bit. But we, they've lost eleven straight games now, as I mentioned in my post game story. Like at some point, like the injuries matter; it's a factor, right? But at some point, like yeah. come on, guys, uh, you know you've got to get beyond that. And, and you know they always talk next man up and everything, and it's you know some of it's lip service, but you, I mean, I don't think having Desmond Trufant in that game, for example. No changes the outcome like that was not the problem and that's admitting that Amani Oruwariye, Jeff Okuda had rough days like that having true fun out there doesn't change anything so I mean yeah I mean I I just think it's you're right maybe it's not surprising but it's just it's sort of baffling to look at and see the same things happen time and again especially on defense And, and offense I mean I think there are some positives on offense here and there, um, but on defense, it, I mean, we're talking about the same things that we talk about after every single Lions yeah. loss, it feels like. Yeah, I mean, and it's the same It's the same idea, right, where it's like you can't in this league get away with just ignoring or refusing to invest in your pass rush or develop, you know, your pass rush or even do anything other than just like sort of give lip service to the idea that you want to stop the run when you, you know, and cover with eight, when you don't have eight guys on your team, 
you know, that are capable of covering in man. I mean, they don't. Like, that's the, that's the situation. They, they've they built their team, or they've tried to build their team to fit a scheme that where roster and scheme just don't, they don't mesh. I mean, they don't have anything uh, at the line of scrimmage defensively that is going to scare any quarterback in this league in terms of, you know, moving them off the pocket or moving them away from, um, you know, their spot. And the run defense is just sort of one of these, like, well, you know, we'll, we'll just... We'll put six or seven in there, and we'll play with soft boxes, and we'll hope guys just make tackles. It, well, you no, know, because you don't have guys in the middle that can make tackles. I mean, it's just it's the same thing over and over. Every time that you know we see sort of their game plans here, they're they're very familiar and very similar, and it just features a lot of guys in spots that where they're not capable of doing what they're going to be asked to do. And you know that's that's a draft thing, that's a Patricia thing, that's both guys, Quinn and Patricia. Just you know, if they're on the same page, I don't know what that page has on it all the way and sometimes I wonder if they are or aren't and it's just yeah it's just very very confusing in a way that when you really think it all the way throughout you're just like you're left with only one conclusion and that's that this has really gone sideways and, and they're trying to get it back on track but I, I just don't know how that's how that's truly possible yeah and we I think the Quinn Patricia dynamic is pretty interesting and we talked about this after the game Sunday it, it, we've always just sort of assume they're tied mm-hmm. at the hip on everything and we've kind of talked right. about them as if their fates are connected which I they probably are I think um, so, yeah. but I think it is it is interesting to sort of consider the possibility that Bob Quinn either Bob Quinn has not given Patricia the types of players he's looking for and and you're seeing the result or he you go the other way and he's given him everything he's asked for and this is what he's doing with it right. and I, I think it's it's possible that there is some um, I won't even say disconnect, but somewhere where this kind of splits between the coach and GM. And um, I, I I don't know that we'll find that out ever. Um, and again, no, I don't know that not. it matters at this point yeah, right, <laughs> because yeah. I think that they're just so far down the path. But I, I, I don't know. It is just sort of – it's really hard to figure how you bring in a guy um, – you know who who was known as a really good and still is known as a really good defensive mind. Yes, uh, came with a scheme that's had proven success, continues to have proven success with the Patriots, right. um, and this is the result. I mean, I had uh, you know multiple people that I follow on Twitter now tweet out the sort of the the all twenty two kind of view of the Aaron Jones run where mm. they're playing. It's first and ten. Mm. They're playing. Both their tackles and you know as three techs, yep. you're having Dara Davis fire downhill and take on the center heads on, and then it, yep. something's supposed to happen. I mean, I think Jamie Collins is supposed to fill, and then the safeties are supposed to come in behind him, and none of it works the way it's supposed to, and it's an easy 75 yard touchdown. Uh, you know, obviously during the game, watching them. Uh, they can't cover running backs in the flat. They keep trying to do it with linebackers. They can't cover those shallow crossing routes they get picked off pretty much every time because they don't switch anything when they're in man and right. i mean you're seeing the same things over and over again with this defense and they don't have the personnel to fix it i, I don't know it's really hard to yeah, and then you, you know tracy walker played like 53 percent of the steps julian okora <laughs> didn't didn't dress yeah, right. like I, it's i just don't understand i don't understand what they're trying to build here i guess i just it, i can't see the finish line in any of it yeah it's very strange like i i i think i know what they're like we've talked about so many times i think we both know what they're trying to build but they're either lying to themselves about the guys they have in certain spots 
um, that are going to allow them to build, you know, what they want to build, or they don't know what, you know, they don't know what's coming or going. Because like on that play, on that play you mentioned, like you said, you've got Jared Davis and Jamie Collins sort of flowing in the middle, and they're going to be responsible for basically. I think Davis anyway was two gapping there. Deshaun Hand was supposed to be two gapping there. He got completely blown out of the play. Danny Shelton really doesn't get much, and then suddenly you've got Davis. Uh, who runs into the back of a blocker, hand gets pushed into Collins. Uh, Will Harris, another third-round pick of yours, takes a horrible angle and bounces off Aaron Jones, and the game is over. And it's just like, how many more times are we going to watch a functional offense go through this defense without even, like, sweating? Like, Aaron Rodgers is just standing out there like... He stands there, he looks at the coverage, he sees it's man, they rearrange the deck, and they say, where is Okuda? Let's just pick on him, and it's an easy... Whatever, and we see this. We saw this last year. We saw this, you know, the year before. Every time they get against a team, you know, that has enough offensive, you know, sort of firepower or a quarterback who's savvy enough to sort of, you know, change things on the fly, it's over. Like they have no chance. The only chance they have of winning that game is to score fifty. You know, it's just like that's the only hope they have, and they're not disciplined enough to do that. So there's just so much going on here, and there's a lot to get distracted by, too, because, you know, they could conceivably come out and say, well, you know, we are ravaged by injury. Yeah, that is a thousand percent true. But it's also exposed the fact that your roster has, like, no depth. There is no playable depth on this on this defense, especially. Yep, and the starting absolutely. 11, and the starting 11 is wobbly at best. And it's like we talked about Will Harris. Jerron uh, Curse is suspended. And maybe he comes back and is better after week three, which he's got to be up for another week. But there's no promise that he's going to be the answer to anyone's prayers here. Jamie Collins hasn't been great even in the time he's been on the field. It's just been really, really rough. And it's hard to see, especially defensively, especially defensively, it's hard to see that changing. And I think you and I, Chris, talked about this last winter. You know, one draft pick, Jeff Okuda was not going to save, whether it was Okuda, Derek Brown, or... Isaiah Simmons, it wasn't going to save the defense. You know what I mean? There, there was going to be serious issues, and they just never seemed to address enough of them. And here you are. And and it's just, it's tough. But um, you got to get through it somehow, one way or the other. But I just don't know where it goes. It's just, it, it's almost impossible to win football games if you can't physically stop the run. Even yeah. now with teams wanting to spread the field and throw the football, if you cannot stay in there and hold teams under I, I, what did they end up giving up it was like six or seven yards per yeah, carry it was over in 10 game, in the second right? half at one point it's yeah. insane like yeah. they just are not even competitive against the run and that's you know that's been the case whether it's they had a little stretch there after Damon Harrison came over mm-hmm. where they put it together for a little while at the tail end of Patricia's first season and then last year they couldn't figure it out and this year it's you know, uh, Shelton's been okay. I think he had five tackles. I mean, he every once in a he's while he's hanging in there, him, but he's the only guy. Yeah. You know? And that's There's it. A, and no, yeah, right. and, and yeah. part of the idea of you know having a guy like Shelton and having players two gap up front is that you need to have someone funneling in behind them mm. and cleaning things up. Right. And they don't have guys who are doing that. And again, Collins was supposed to help with that. He's not Harris in theory. I guess is supposed to help with that. And we've seen the results of the, of him being on yeah. the field. So. There are there are problems across the board here that I don't know I don't know how you fix it with the people on this roster even if you get Nick Williams back and you get mm. you know Trufant back and Curse is there I, there's still those fundamental flaws in what they're doing if Patricia's not going to uh, you know kind of adjust the way that they're playing up front 
Yeah, they just seem like perpetually undermanned defensively. Like that's the impression I like. Even with the even without the injuries, like even when the season starts and you have basically what you have, which would have been Trufan and Coleman, and let's say Okudu was healthy too. I even then I, I feel like they're undermanned. The front seven is going to be outmuscled most weeks. Uh, the Bears ran pretty much at what we forgot. You know, we didn't talk much about that last week, but they because it didn't really matter, I guess, in the end in terms of the final outcome of the fourth quarter. But the Bears ran the ball whenever they wanted, and the idea there obviously is to give up, is to seed basically as much as you you know anything in between the twenties and be good in the red zone. Because you can cover. Well, you can't cover. So, like, if you're seeding everything in between the 20s and allowing them to get down to the red zone, and now you got to be in man coverage because it's the red zone, and, and that's just kind of what people do, you lose anyway because you can't cover anyone. And it's just, it's over. It's just this cycle that continues to happen over and over. And there's nothing in the reserves here. There's nowhere else to look. Like, there's, you have what you have, right? So, it's like, Jared Davis is still really, really struggling in coverage. Somebody's got to play there, so it's either has to be Reggie Rag and tackling too for him. So maybe Ragland has to play more. He hasn't exactly been perfect, but there's nobody behind him either. So it's like it's one of these things where there's just not a lot of. They haven't given themselves many answers. They have really wide margins for error in a league where you can't have any margin for error. They're a bad tackling team. They're obviously not disciplined with with the penalties and the things that we saw on both sides of the ball. And they're not very confident. And I think the last one there is, is the thing to remember here right now is the confidence is just looks like it's shot on the field. They looked like a team that wasn't even on the same level as Green Bay or in the same league at, at stretches during that game. And it's it's hard to square that when we continue to see this every year. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. I, I don't know that there is a good answer for it. And, and I keep asking, and people keep asking in these press conferences, but I don't know how you get over that hump because even Patricia yeah. said it you know Deron Harmon said it after the game yesterday like they have a team that you see what it's just for as long as people can remember something one thing goes wrong and everything just lights on fire within the next five minutes I mean Stafford yeah. Stafford takes that terrible sack at the mm. one right before halftime and you're in a bad spot but you know you can run and punt it Jack Fox had a great day punting and probably get out of there giving up a long few goal. I mean, yes. Packers maybe would have had one or two plays. They had no timeouts. And then you come back, you get called for holding, you give them the ball at midfield, you immediately get called for two personal foul penalties on defense, and suddenly you're behind going into half. And it just that sort right. of stuff happens all the time. The same thing, I think that Agnew, Agnew got called catch, for that penalty yeah. on the fair catch right before the pick six, right? I think mm-hmm. that was the next Pinned to me. Play. We were going to have it at the 20, and they ended up having it at like the five. Whatever, so these yeah. things just sort of spiral on them, and they, I don't know how you fix that. I you know, I think that was part of the reason you bring in guys like Harmon for sure and you know mm-hmm. Jamie Collins to some extent and Trey Flowers certainly, Amendola, like all these guys. Like that's They know those players, and they know the fits in the scheme in theory, but I think that that was as much the reason they went out and got these guys as anything is that they've been around teams that have won, and and so you would think they'd be able to help through this, those moments, but they, they just can't. And I, some certainly some of that blame falls on the players, but you know, I, I just again, I don't know how you fix it. I don't know how, as a coaching staff, you get a team to be mentally tougher uh, in those moments because it's just not happening right now. Well, I think you have to find out ways to figure out ways to put them in better spots the best you can, and sort of swallow your pride a little bit and change your plan because, like, that's the whole thing here, right? Is we talked last year about how they're developing, you know, we're developing a program or we're developing a roster, we're developing a team. I mean, like, 
okay, like, you keep saying this stuff, but it's like the guys that you have out there are just killing you in some spots. Like, Will Harris is not playable right now. Like, he's not. And I don't know how they went into free agency in this offseason in the draft without under... I mean, I guess they brought in Curse, but, like, you know, it's not working. It didn't work last year. I mean, you banked on development there that hasn't happened, and obviously the pandemic challenges all that stuff. And maybe he gets better, who knows. But it's just... It's just all over the place with stuff like that. And like you said, why is Walker only playing 39 snaps in a game? Awari is obviously still learning, but that hasn't been as sharp as you'd want it. Okuda's a rookie. You can't really blame him for much. And then the guys you have up front, you know, I don't know if anybody was saying in the offseason, well, Nick Williams is really going to help their run defense. No one said that. I mean, they, it was maybe he'll help them get after the quarterback <laughs> yeah, a little right. bit, but that wasn't a guarantee either. And Danny Shelton, at least, was going to play, you know, was going to give you as much as he could, you know, play through injuries, play through whatever, and stay out there as long as he could. But no one was confusing Danny Shelton for Aaron Donald here. I mean, it was, there were all sorts of warts that just never really got addressed in the offseason. They kind of did, and they kind of didn't, and it was this very awkward, and then the pandemic happened, and we were all like, well, you know, like, I don't know how this is going to go. We'll see. And, you know, I think the we'll see is over with now. We know how it's going to go, and it's not going well, and I just... Every offense in the league, I, I don't know, you know, there's so many of them that are that are dangerous now and, you know, high-powered and can do so many different things, and I, I don't know how they stack up with, with anybody. They're easily one of the worst defenses in the NFL today as it sits. Um, you'd have a hard time arguing otherwise, and I think injuries play somewhat of a role in that, but they don't tell, they don't shade over the entire story here. The, the fact that they're just really bad defensively is, is the thing that carries the day. So, what, I mean, where do you... If we're if we're going back to the idea of you know pitting the coach and GM on yeah, either yeah. side of the ledger here, uh, where where do you put more blame? I mean, do you feel like like when Michigan plays Ohio State every year, yeah. you're all, we're always like, how many of these Michigan guys would really start on Ohio right. State? And it's always like three. Like, mm-hmm. Well, that's why they're not going to win this game. So <laughs> kind of looking at this yeah, right, exactly. Lions yeah. roster, I was just trying to do that in my head and think of how many of those guys that started yesterday. If you took them to a contending team and a really good defense, uh, I mean, Collins and Flowers, I think, would be out there. Harmon would probably be back where he was in New England, yes. which was as a third safety. Yes. Is that it? Yeah, I mean, I who, mean like, <laughs> yeah, you mentioned it right there. That's it. I mean, maybe, you know, I'm sure Shelton, they would have taken – I mean, you'd take Okuda because he's a young, talented kid or sure, whatever. But sure, like, sure. And, like, maybe Tracy Walker, maybe, right? But it's like that's – that's kind of a maybe. So you go up and down the list and you say, well, and, and even like Jamie Collins, you know, Jamie Collins is not the Jamie Collins that Bill Belichick and Patricia drafted. Jamie Collins is 30. It's not the same. So, I mean, there's differences here. And I just, I, I just think that, you, you know, you, you can, you can tell what Patricia wants to do defensively. You can tell what they want the team to look like uh, on both sides of the ball, really. And it does make a lot of sense. And if they had the roster, that was capable of playing like that, it would probably be fine. However, I would also argue that, you know, because so in that sense, you say, well, that's that's on Bob Quinn for not drafting well or, you know, not making enough, uh, you know, moves in free agency or via trade or whatever to get the roster where it needs to be. But at the same time, Patricia's ask here for what they want this thing to be as a scheme is like so incredibly difficult and so incredibly like everything has to go exactly right. Like offensively, they want to be this... I mean, they don't technically, I guess, want to be a ball control offense, but maybe they kind of do. I think they want to, you know, be in situations like you saw in the beginning of the game where, 
know, they ran their first 21 plays. I think it was 11 runs, 10 oh, passes. Yeah. It was almost even exactly. It was that like, first drive was their yeah, ideal drive. The whole that thing. was exactly what they want. And as you can see in that, there is no room for error. Like Stafford takes one bad sack and the whole thing goes to hell. There's one penalty the whole th- on that one drive. Abushi uh, clips the guy late behind the play near the 50. Whole thing's gone. You know, the whole thing gets ruined because you're trying to run this ball position stuff where you don't, you know, because your defense is so bad that it can't stay on the field, where any mistake just derails everything. And then you get over to the other side, and like we, we just diagrammed earlier with the run play with uh, with Aaron Jones. One guy, one guy doesn't do his assignment exactly the way it's supposed to go, and the whole thing is just blown. And the way you can get around that, I guess, is if you have a defense filled with 11 guys who can tackle, and they don't. So it's to me, it really does. When you come back to it, you can tug the rope on both sides and say, "Well, like, you know, Bob Quinn's had some nice draft picks, but he's also had a bunch that just doesn't make any sense, um, and certainly in some situations, a bunch that you know where if they pick a guy and they want him to fit into a certain spot, it doesn't look like he's capable of doing that. We've seen that across the board in, in a few areas. Same time, you flip it over to the other side and say, "Well, what is Patricia asking for here?" Because you know, why aren't you just drafting good players and trying to build stuff around them? Bill Belichick is still one of the best coaches in the NFL at every level, obviously, and especially defensively, because what he ends up doing, and we see it every single year, is he finds guys via the draft or wherever that can do a couple things in like a super unique, you know, manner, or they're, 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 they excel at a few things that are really, really unique, and then they morph and twist and build their defense and their entire approach around that. And it looks the way it looks because they've got exactly what they want at every single spot. And those guys give them exactly what, you know, he sort of, you know, doctored up in his brain as what he needs from them. And none of that happens here. It's the total opposite where it's like you you think you're getting this from certain guys, but they're not giving it to you and the whole thing is a mess. It's no room for error, no margin for error. And they have a defense that's just filled with error. And that's the long and short of it. And that, to me, that goes back. Like we talked about Okora not and Julian Okora not being active, and I just I tweeted out a quote that you know linebackers coach Ty McKenzie when we had uh, access with the assistants last week said mm-hmm. you know I asked him you know what they sort of see as the long term for him is he is he a pass rusher is he going to be like your pass rush specialist or can he develop right. into more and he basically said right now he can pass rush right. I don't know, you know, we, we need to teach him how to do everything else, which is sort of the uh, scouting report I think we knew yeah, that's all fair. along. But let him go pass rush. Yeah, right. Why is he here otherwise? Like, like what? What's he doing? <laughs> you couldn't have used him on any of those third downs right. against the Packers? Like, let him get out there for – I mean, he was out there for seven snaps against the Bears, and he helped them force a fumble on a third and long. Like, that was – he made right. an impact doing the one thing he you know he can do, uh, and that's always Patricia's always said, like you have to be able to do a lot of things, or you have to be able to do one thing at an elite level to be on the field. And I, there's maybe a possibility Julian Okora can be a really really good pass rusher. So that him, unless there's something else that they just didn't tell us that happened, you know, 24 hours leading up to the game, and it doesn't sound like it. Right. Him being a healthy scratch doesn't make a lot of sense to me and sort of the same thing with the in-game roster decisions like to have davis out there for mm. uh how many snaps did he, i mean he didn't even play i mean he played 63 percent of the snaps yeah so they, it was a little more last week but a yeah, ton not, but yeah, right um you know is he the guy you want trotting out wide when the packers move a, a linebacker there we can't give jalen reeves maven one shot in that role <laughs> right yeah uh, like one rep and see know, what happens <laughs> I, I just don't i i feel like 
maybe there are some, maybe they just these guys just they just don't trust any of them maybe there aren't answers maybe this roster is as bad as it looks but it also feels like you said uh, they've got this idea like we're gonna play this guy here we're gonna play this guy here and if it doesn't work well we did our best that's as good as it's gonna get and right. uh there's just yeah. not enough and i think that's why they I think that's why we see them fall apart late in games, too, because other coaches, they have these good scripts. They have some stuff that maybe confuses teams early, and then coaches on the other side make adjustments, and they are – that's it. That's all they have. (laughs) There is too much idealistic football happening here and not enough problem-solving happening, and I think that's really what it comes down to is the way Patricia wants to play football – you know, when you talk to people who know football, everything he says about what they want to do makes complete sense to me. It really does in, in a vacuum. But when you go through a game and you watch how they never adjust or they never adapt or they never do anything to fix what's obviously a glaring issue, you just say, well, okay, well, if it didn't go exactly the way you wanted it to go, then you were just going to throw your hands up in the air and and, and walk out of here. I mean, like, that's the difference, right? When when we talk about Matt Patricia's time with Bill Belichick, and obviously it's notable and it's he deserves all the credit that he that he got from all of that back then, right? But at the same time, you can't you can't just look at that situation and say, well, Patricia was just in charge of everything they did defensively and there was nothing else, you know, like Belichick was there, like he was standing <laughs> right next to him, right? right so right. if something happened in a game and, you know, you can talk to everyone and they'll all tell you, like, but one of Patricia's best strengths as a coach has always been his sort of ability to, you know, a, a scout against a team, find certain things that are going to work on game day, wrinkles here or there, you know, we've got a couple calls that we know are going to work in this game, you know, maybe a lot of calls that are going to work in this game. And he's he's always been very good, I think, from based on, you know, conversations with people throughout the years or reading stuff throughout the years. Been very good at that and was great at that in New England. But once it comes down to, you know, sort of like, here we go time in the middle of a game and something doesn't go exactly the way you want it to go, somebody's got to be able to make those, you know, hand-on-the-wheel decisions in real time to, you know, get you in and out of trouble so that those, you know, really unique calls that you found during the week can be used and can be... A, you know, implemented effectively. And they, they're missing the in-between part there. They're missing the part where someone in the middle of the game is saying, hey, this is not going, you know, the way we wanted it to, or they've done this, we need to change that because it's going to burn us. You know, the great ones can sort of see that stuff happen as it's happening or even before it's happening to keep you out of trouble. They just sort of ram their head into the wall no matter what and say, we're going to try it anyway even though we know it's probably not going to work, but maybe it will. Like, that's what it feels like. And obviously that's not the case, but that's what it feels like when you watch it. And it's just like, there's not a there's not any reaction. There's only action. And that is hard to do in the NFL. You know, you don't have a talent advantage. They don't have a talent advantage against anyone defensively. But even if they were better overall defensively on their roster, they wouldn't have a talent advantage anyway because it's the NFL. Everyone's even. And so it's just hard. It's hard to see a winning formula here with the way they kind of coach through a game and, and that all funnels up to Matt Patricia and, and how they've done things really since the start. I mean, the very first game of his tenure, right? You were there. A complete and total oh, debacle on yeah. every level. <laughs> Organizationally, everything. A total mess. And it has been that way ever since. And it's just for the crowd that at the very beginning was co- sort of questioning, boy, I don't know. I don't know if he's got the stuff to make these decisions, you know, moment to moment, play to play during a game, let alone an entire year in off season. And we're seeing that sort of come to roost here now. And it's, it's tough to see anything else. It's tough to find any other, any other line here that, that it could be because it, there's just so much evidence to the contrary. Yeah. I mean, you kind of look back <laughs> to that game and obviously you're yeah. not going to pull the plug on things after, 
after one game. But I I remember I went into the Jets locker room after that game, back when you were still allowed to do things like that. And uh, (laughs) the uh, Isaiah Crowell, the running back, said that it it was like 17-17 or something in the third Mm -hmm. quarter. And the Jets went up. And Isaiah Crowell said at that point they were on their bench saying, oh, you can tell guys they're giving up. You can tell guys <laughs> are giving up. It's like a seven-point game, the week one home opener, oh. new coach. And and now looking back on some of those comments out of yeah. the Jets locker room, it's like, well, that uh, they held <laughs> those held yeah. up pretty well. Um, and not that they're – not that there's not effort each week. And I think you're right. No, I think that true, they yeah. do. I think they – I think Matt Patricia can – formulate a game plan that you go into Sunday and you say, all right, this is going to keep us in the game for a while at least. And even looking at it, you know, they ran for yeah, that's 250 yep. yards. So that part fell apart, but Aaron Rodgers didn't have a great day. And we no, talked about them not covering very well and Okuda yeah. struggling, but for the most part, you know, the, the goal with Aaron Rodgers is to kind of frustrate him by keeping him in the pocket. And they more or less did that. He got out a couple times and did not give up anything deep. And, they did that. you know, Okuda gave up Once. the one yeah, over the right. top. And Jones made the one incredible catch against Daryl Roberts. And that was it. Everything else was, you know, short to medium range. So, mm-hmm. in theory, you know, you kind of did what you wanted against Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. But then the other part of this, then the run defense doesn't hold up and there's no – they couldn't figure out how to adjust on the fly and and fix that. So yeah, I mean I think I think you're right. I think that they can get to you know, you can get to kickoff Sunday and have a good game plan and then you get to halftime and you're like, well the, we already have our game plan. That's the game where that's yeah. what we're going with. That's the right. game plan. Exactly. And the other side saying, well let's try this instead and let's tweak this and somebody asked Patricia like after the game and I forgot who it was um Maybe it was Justin Rogers, but it, it was like, do you have, do you think you have enough? I can't remember the exact question, but it was like, do you think you have enough uh, in your personnel defensively to do what you want to do? And that question can be interpreted one of two ways, right? Well, are they healthy enough or do you have enough in total? Right. And I would argue that it appears through two weeks that in terms of tools in the toolbox, like to be able to repair things during a game, they have a very small uh, tool chest here, and it needs to be about 10 times the size of what it is. Because like you said, they just don't seem to have any answers for anyone's counter to anything. Well, you took this one thing away, great, we're just going to do this now, and okay, we don't know what to do now. Like, that's what it, That's what it, it's turned into. I mean, it's they'll take one thing away from you, and they'll say, okay, cool, we'll just exploit you on what you're giving us all the way down the field for 500 yards. And you won't be able to stop it because you don't have anything in your in your sort of uh, in your game plan that's going to be able to fix problems. They just it's a it's a lot of and whether that's being hamstrung by the roster or that's a refusal to adjust or a combination of both, which I believe it's probably that the combination of both. That's the situation. They just don't make adjustments or they're incapable of doing it because they don't have enough enough on that bench to come in there. You know, when it comes time to do it to to make those fixes and. You know, round and round it goes, and it's it's the same every single time they play a savvy quarterback who's got any kind of sense at all. Notably, Aaron. I mean, Aaron Rodgers obviously far north of that, but anybody else that can make any kind of check out of something, they just exploit with what's there, and away we go. And that's just what happens every week. Yeah, and I think the lack of sort of meaningful depth is maybe the biggest indictment on Quinn at this yeah. point. Um, and it, it, you know, there have been times where it felt like it was getting better, and even this off season, you know, I think. Daryl Roberts has been a nice pickup, and 
Uh, Raglan's been playing. I don't know that he's been yeah. great, but he's been playing. He's I mean, been they, playing. Yeah. they've they've drafted Cephas, who's been effective. I mean, they've brought in some guys that have helped the depth. But you're right; it's it felt, and especially where you needed it up front yeah. on both sides, it right. felt really thin. And then you know now we've seen it sort of play out in the secondary. So it, I just I think that that's the. Quinn has just not been able to solve that at the start of his tenure. I think they were deeper, but they didn't have that top end talent that they wanted. And now they've got a little more of the top end talent and they're not deep. So they right. haven't been able to find that middle ground that you really need uh, to kind of push things over the top. So I don't know where you go from. I don't, I, like you said, I don't think there is a fix coming. Like, I don't know how you would repair yeah, the I, roster in week three. You've just got to figure it out. Well, yeah, you got to tackle better. Number one, like you give yourself a chance if you can tackle reasonably well in space. And that's something where, you know, we can point to the, to the challenges of the offseason, and obviously that's going to be a thing for everybody, but it also trickles down, right, where it's like, well, if, you ha- it's a, if, if the guy's a bad tackler to begin with, it stands to reason that he's not going to be – he's going to be even worse in this scenario where he's had less time. And so maybe that maybe the tackling will improve over time as, as things go on here and some of those little assignment detail things. But at the same time, like, you know, what's the ceiling on a lot of these guys? I mean, it's to me, as we talked last year – you know that was not a playoff team. I don't think anybody thought it was a playoff team, even when they were healthy. And I don't, and I don't think either of us thought they did enough in this offseason, even though people could could kind of see or make the, you know, make the path in their minds about well, if the offense explodes, they'll have a chance, and that that's true. But defensively, they just still don't have any answers, and it's the same sort of problem. And if the offense isn't perfect, what are you left with? And you know, the offense hasn't been perfect, and that's been part of it too. So it's it's. Uh, I think the offense can get better, and I expected that it will. Uh, but the defense, I feel like this is just what it's going to be, and that's not going to be enough to get anybody anything they want uh, out of 2020. Well, so the offense, um, two great drives. Yeah. They score 14 in the first quarter. They're just rolling, and they went through a stretch you know, right around halftime against the Bears where it just seemed like they could do whatever they want. They're moving guys around, um, you know, getting – they got Hawkinson involved. They got Swift involved yesterday. Uh, and then that's it. it yeah. <laughs> again, it just sort of like, I don't know if it's the script scripted plays running out. I don't know if it's just that, you know, the offensive line isn't holding up. I think some of it certainly is that to go back to the injuries, you're missing Kenny Galladay. And mm-hmm. uh, for as good as Marvin Jones looked in training camp and as mm. For as effective a receiver as I think he still is in the NFL, I think it's pretty clear at this point that he's not a number one receiver. Right. Yeah, um, that's fair. And so you're seeing – Stafford said week one, you know, the Bears just – they played a bunch of cover two, and I think we – who knows when we'll get the all 22 this week, but it seemed like <laughs> the Packers were at least kind of rotating a safety toward Jones and playing some cover two and just doing some of the same things the Lions were doing, just not mm-hmm. letting them get deep. Stafford right. didn't attempt to pass – over 30 yards the entire game. Um, and so that's taken away a big part of that offense. Stafford didn't play great, but that's still the – I mean, if there's anything that's going to turn the season around, like you said, it's got to be on that side of the ball. And there have been some signs of hope. I mean, Hawkinson's yeah. been good. Swift looked good catching the ball. The run game has been Yeah, I think decent. the run game's going to be there for them at some point. If they – you know, it, like Ragnow has been outstanding – through two weeks. Decker has been good through two weeks, about what we thought Decker would be. I think Jonah Jackson had a, a very good game, it seemed, uh, against against Green Bay. Was maybe a little more shaky in week one, but for a rookie, looked pretty darn good to me. Uh, Crosby, I think, has held up okay, right? I mean, I don't think he's been 
a total mess. I think like he was a little shaky at times in week one, but maybe okay in week two. Abushi had it was an adventure, a little bit of a roller coaster, but like the offense. And like you said earlier, Cephas made a couple nice plays late in the game. I think Carrion played better. You know, saw more of the field at least early when they when they were still in reasonable position to use the run game. Uh, you're not going to get a lot out of Peterson in a game like this when it gets off the rails, but he still made the most of everything he, every touch he got. Um, and you're right. I mean, when Galladay gets back, I think it should give them another dimension that should open up more than you probably realize uh, just at first blush from the fact that got, you know defenses are going to have to account for him vertically, right? And that should open up a ton for Hawkinson and the run game and even Jones and Amendola. I mean, it should open up a lot for everybody but it's not going to cure everything. And the other thing here that's been concerning is Stafford sort of, uh, he's kind of a mess right now. I mean, <laughs> compared to what he was last year, yeah. this is two right. straight weeks where he has taken horrendous sacks in games that, I mean, those two, the, the sack he took against Chicago damn near cost them the game. And the sack he took against Green Bay basically started the beginning of the end. I mean, like that, Two plays, and obviously that pick six was probably worse, and the pick against Chicago was bad too. But the sacks are the things that I go back to, and I say, well, Stafford's a guy who, with with the ball in his hands, he's going to take chances, he's going to take risks, and sometimes those risks backfire. Sometimes you live with that. The sack stuff is, what are you doing? Like I, That's the thing that's been tough to sort of gauge. He just hasn't looked very comfortable uh, at all. We talked to him a little bit about that last week, and didn't feel like he he got you know comfortable you know fast enough and then this week it looked like he got a little, he was better early and then it just faded away and so I don't know if there's rust or what but that's not great either and that has been kind of a concern as this thing's kind of unfolded. Well, I think something for me that it's only two weeks and they haven't had Galladay, so I want to see yeah. what this looks like when Galladay's out there. But I, I think something that I've certainly noticed is that those sacks. And how these mistakes are happening, like Stafford's default for almost his entire career has been when plays break down and it's not there, you just take a shot deep. Yeah, right. You give Jones a chance to go make a play. Maybe you give Hawkinson a chance to go make a play. And now all of a sudden, and again, maybe it's because teams are just taking everything away and he knows those plays are going to be doomed if he throws Mm -hmm. it up. But now you're seeing him hold on to the ball. He's taking those couple bad sacks. He's looking for Amendola a ton. Yeah. Um, that's sort of been his him. safety. Yeah, right. That's his safety net at the moment. It was Cephas uh, in week one, and now it was Amendola in week two. And so I, I don't know if it's just – I don't know if they've hammered home, like, risk management to him um, <laughs> or what. But you're not – like, that. that's always some of the best plays. Like, if you go through his highlight reel of his career – a lot of his plays are just let's just see what happens here. Yeah, right. take <laughs> a shot. Yeah, heave it fifty yards downfield and let those talented receivers go get it. And you're not seeing that happen. And I kind of wonder if that is going to come back when Galladay is on the field because that that's I mean you'd rather see that you'd rather see him throwing it one up to Marvin Jones even if there are two defenders there than you know. I don't know. Then taking those sacks, then then throwing into traffic over the middle. I mean, there's just not a lot of great decisions I feel like happening on his part. And maybe it is just maybe it is the rust. Maybe it's the time off. Maybe it's not having Galladay. Maybe he doesn't trust this offensive line. I don't know. I think it's um, everything. I think it's all the. Yeah. It's got to be all the above to some level. And what also happens here is 
when you don't have Galladay and teams are taking away or working to take away your shots, then your shots have to come via play action and you have to be a team that sort of manages the sticks and keeps yourself in reasonable down and distances so that those shots off play action can be effective. And when he's taking sacks and putting them in situations where, you know, they're behind or, you know, the whole thing goes to hell or somebody takes a penalty, everything gets magnified because they don't have the cure-all, you know, like, like we, like you just Stafford had Kelvin Johnson for however many years, right? Where it was, if everything falls apart, just let's see, you know, you can throw it further than anybody in the state or county or 10 states over, whatever, throw it as far as you can, see if he can go get it and see what happens. And if it, at worst it's an incompletion, we'll live to play the next down. This stuff, when you're stringing it out now and you're taking sacks and you don't have the ability to do that, everything gets magnified. So when you're playing this ball control stuff, it doesn't work. And obviously that was the game plan going into this this one. And it also doesn't work when your defense can't stop anybody either. But yeah, he doesn't look comfortable. Um, you, would, you would hope, I suppose, that that improves, but it didn't improve as the game went on last week. It seemed to improve a little as the game went on against Chicago. This past week, it seemed to only get worse. And that uh, that is concerning because that's back-to-back weeks now and uh, not a lot for Matthew Stafford in that game to sort of be, wow, that was great, and, and this will be better next week. It was really kind of, I don't want to like sound any alarms, but it was not great, and it, it needs to be a lot better. Yeah, and like I said, I think there are positives. I mean, I think they have done a nice job two weeks in a row getting Hawkinson some looks. They didn't do it nearly enough. I mean, he he and Marvin Jones were invisible in the second half yeah. against Green Bay, but I think when they've really tried to get those guys open, uh, they've done a good job, and they, did, they have done a good job, especially with Hawkinson. They got Swift, um, you know, Swift in some one-on-one spots, moving him around, mm-hmm. which is what you want with him. So I think there have been uh, some positives, but yeah, I mean, I he doesn't look he he certainly doesn't look locked in the way he was locked in when we were talking about him as an MVP candidate to no. start last year, and and it sort of all circles back. If he's going to be, if he's only going to be you know, slightly above average, this isn't going to happen. He's got to play at that yes, MVP level. Yeah, it's the, not fair yeah, to him, but he's right. got to be there. And that's maybe something that we probably understated, actually, in the offseason, and maybe we should have been more clear on that. But that is that is a great point, because in order for all of this to work the way they want it to work, he has to be an all-pro decision-maker. He has to be a guy who puts the ball where it needs to go every single time, um, gets them in the right call and out of the out of a bad one every single time, and these boneheaded things that we're seeing, like the, the pick six, what are you doing? I mean, he said it after the game. Like, I mean, I just, it was a horrible error. Yeah, horrible error. Same as the sack. Same as last week's sack. Same as last week's pick. Like, it's uh, it's 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 so strange to me. The year before, you know, you had Stafford. I mean, the, the offseason he had the year before was a complete mess. I mean, he had all the stuff that he had to be in there at 5 a.m. And it was really difficult for him to to get everything together with all the stuff that was going on at home. and But he, yet he managed, and he figured it out, and he was so good. And then this year, obviously, it's been a mess too, but like it felt like a little bit, there was like a vibe, it seemed like to me anyway, that he was in a really good spot mentally with Bevel, and they just seemed to be on the same page, even though all of everything was helter-skelter. So this has been really surprising. I mean, I, I, I'm surprised that he hasn't been way, way better. This has been, this has been bad, and I, I think of all the things I expected... This is like toward the bottom of the list of things I probably expected was was him to just not be very good at all, 
and and that's sort of what happens has happened through two weeks. I don't know if I can say that I would expect it to happen the rest of the year, but I'm already surprised here. I mean, it, it's not something that I saw coming uh, at all, and it's it's pretty concerning. Yeah, and the pick six. I mean, that his comments about that, uh, you know, they did kind of make you pause and wonder if this mm-hmm. is just if it, everything looks a little faster than he even expected it to, you know, yeah, if it's just taking him a little longer. Cause he said, he told us exactly what happened. He said, I saw the free safety coming down over the slot. That's a hot route for me. So I'm looking out to the left. I'm throwing right at where the blitz is coming from. Like he knew everything that was happening. And then you go back and watch that play. And in the slot where the free safety came from, Marvin Jones runs and sits down five yards away and he's wide open mm-hmm. and he throws it out to the yep. sideline to Amendola, who's got a guy coming downhill on him. And so I, I just wonder, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't want to, I certainly don't think they're Owen two because of Matthew Stafford. No, no, no. Um, yeah, but to, right. you know, like I said, my point is that they were three, four and one, as we've said last year, they were three, four and one. He was playing like an MVP. Yeah. So if he's not going to play, like a top five, top go. ten quarterback, yeah. <laughs> this is going to be bad. I mean, it's already yeah. bad. It's going to be a very long year if he's going to have those ups and downs. So uh, they've got to get that settled. I mean, I think if you get Galladay back in there, That's the offensive point. line relaxes, you know, settles a little bit. It could be very, very good because because the run game is has been good yeah, so far. You know, Peterson was good in week one. I thought Carryon Johnson was good. Uh, for the most part in week two and Peterson came in and gave you a couple of nice runs. So there's, there's plenty to work with on offense. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, and it goes back and people keep asking him every week too. Like, do you feel like you are trying to do too much because, mm-hmm. you know, it, because you just know this team's going to have to score <laughs> 40 yeah. points a game that and might he's be not going to say that, but yeah. maybe he does. That might be true. I mean, that might be part of it, right? Where it's like, and they know, I think, too, offensively, that hey, if we screw up a drive and don't, and we and we finish empty on a drive, and it's our own doing, then that just magnifies everything times a thousand. So, like, I could even sense it even in the first half when they got that that third drive of the game. The first two drives were awesome, you know, like just exactly what they want them to be. Green Bay was completely on its heels. And then the third drive, they're moving the ball again. They get across the 50, and Abushi picked up that personal foul. And you could just see it where they're just like, well, shit. You know, like, this is going to be really bad (laughs) because we're giving them the ball back. We already got a couple freebies here. We got, you know, we got some stops. We got to maintain this lead. We got to get the – we've got to be able to, you know, not only churn clock but also keep the pressure on them and not have empty drives. It just feels like every time this team has an empty drive – it's a disaster waiting to happen because you know the reverse of it. They're you know they're going to punt the ball away and the offense is going to come right back and get it back. Like that's what the expectation is every time you watch. And I think at times you can you can sort of see that on Stafford. Uh, I think you can see it probably throughout the offense in general. And I think that sort of speaks to what you're saying earlier. Like I'm looking at the box here. Amendola has seven targets, only two catches. Like they're forcing. He's forcing stuff that he's comfortable with because he knows I have got to keep this. I have got to keep the sticks moving here because if we have to punt, we're, we're giving up six right back the other way on me and, and we're going to be out of this game. So, like, that's that's what it feels like, but that's also kind of what this team is. And that's going to be something I think that they've got to deal with all year. And last year, Stafford dealt with that wonderfully. And I thought that that was how they played offense, was every time they touched the ball, they knew we got to go put at least three up because they're probably getting something back the other way. And that... Now, as you move forward, especially heading into this one against Arizona, it has to be sort of the whole thing here. They have to shoot out. They have to be a shootout type, you know, whatever. They have to be able to get to pick up something 
on every drive. They cannot, maybe more than any team in the league, afford to just be giving drives away. And, you know, that's that's the whole ballgame. I mean, if, if they go up against a team with a good defense, well, best of luck. But, I mean, in these games where maybe a team isn't great defensively, they've got to be able to take advantage. And I would, uh, you know, that, that should start on some level uh, as they go forward here. And that, and some of that is, they have to be willing to do that too. Yes. I don't know if Matt Patricia is willing to play that way. I mean, yeah. I don't know well, if he he's wants to have, be yeah, a big right. Big Twelve team where he's well, just winning fifty to forty-five. But they might. I got have news it. for you, my man. Yeah. I don't <laughs> right. know if you have a choice now, yeah. but yeah, you're right. It's just, and we've talked about it. You know, all last year we talked about it all summer. They're just so razor thin on the margins. Mm-hmm. So before that Abushi penalty, they had just converted a, a third down with Tamandola, yeah. but the two passes before that. Uh, they got Marvin Jones in a one-on-one running across the field, mm. and it was incomplete. And then the next pass, Amendola was free up the sideline, and Stafford missed him. And you could mm-hmm. see how frustrated he was uh, as the camera cut back to him after that. So they just can't – they basically have to be almost perfect, and they're not even in the vicinity right now. Yeah, no. So you're 0-2. And you mentioned the Cardinals. Uh, take a couple minutes here to look ahead <laughs> next week, yeah. which – uh, oh boy! Kyle, <laughs> that, that offense, uh, you know, it, the Lions again. That, it, playing with the theme here, uh, it was Kyler Murray's first start, so maybe you get a leg up there. But um, last year when they saw him, slowed him down for two, three quarters, and then Kyler Murray kind of locked in and and led that rally uh, in the fourth to force the tie. He's playing really well right now. Uh, you've got DeAndre Hopkins just chewing up yards and targets out there, which. You know, maybe Desmond Trufant comes back and helps you, but I don't know how much you can count on that. So what do you do in a week? How do you uh, fix this in a week? Yeah, I mean, you've got you've got to have more answers offensively, and your game plan has to be, you know, your, like we said earlier, your tool, your tool kit on offense has to be like as big as it, as big as it's going to get at any point all year. You've got to be able, you, you've got to find a way at some point to try to get Kenny Colliday back in here, number one. That's number one. Number two is your approach has to be a little more, um, yeah, a little more reliant on maybe some more, I guess, you know, finding ways one way or the other uh, to move the football, take advantage, uh, and make sure that you're getting points. Because you mentioned, you know, Hopkins and Murray. I mean, the big concern here, too, would be, you know, they're running Kyler Murray, you know, quite a bit here, too, I think, right? I mean, like, Kyler, the tackling of him in space is going to be, you know, a serious issue. They're going to run stuff that the Lions aren't going to see at any point for the rest of the year because of the offense that Cliff Kingsbury runs. It feels like a shootout waiting. To, it feels like you're either going to participate in a shootout or wind up giving up 40 and not having enough. Like, that's what the Lions feel like they're headed toward here for, like, the foreseeable future in the next two weeks, really, uh, with New Orleans coming after that. But, like, that's... I think it, I think most of it's got to start offensively. You've got to have enough offensively to be in a situation where you're taking the most advantage of everything you've got. And they did not do that against Green Bay and ended up giving themselves no chance. Uh, so in order to have a chance in these games, especially in the first half, your drives can't be empty. They have to be able to pick up something in every one of those possessions. And obviously you, you can't expect it to be perfect, but they, they can't be giving stuff away and just penal, you know, by penalty or turnover, whatever it may be, and just coming up empty because it's not you're not going to get anything in return on the other side. Arizona is a really unique team. Again, maybe maybe Matt Patricia comes up with a plan defensively that is unique or different and gives Kyler Murray problems or gives him something that he hasn't seen yet. Maybe that can bother him, and, I, and I'd be more inclined to believe that that's possible with a second year player other than Aaron Rodgers. 
But at the same time, I mean, I don't think any of us could sit here and say that we don't expect Arizona to get some yards in this game. So offensively, you're just going to have to be, you know, it's going to have to flip. You're going to have to be better. And on all areas in the pass game has to be better. Yeah, and again, it's got to be those first two drives in Green Bay. Two touchdowns, it was 21 mm-hmm. plays. It was like 10 minutes of time of possession. I mean, that's got to – yeah. you don't need to score a touchdown. You don't need to score seven touchdowns on seven possessions, I don't think. But you need to no, be, yeah. uh, you, you know, you can't have turnovers. You can't have three and outs. You, you've really got to be. And they could use some more explosives too, you know, like some more bigger shots for sure. Well, on both sides though, yeah. they still enforce the turnover this year. Yeah. They've got, what, two sacks, I think, um, you know, one in each game. So those plays aren't happening either, which we talked about after week one. If you're going to be a team that just sort of seeds the 20s in between mm-hmm. the 20s to the opposing offense and says we're going to lock up and play man and you know really tighten down in the red zone right uh you got to do something of note in the red zone <laughs> right exactly you, know? you have to have answers um, in the red zone and they don't so so like. but yeah i mean this offense it's just really with the especially where the defici- deficiencies are uh on this lions defense you mentioned murray who rushed for he had 67 yards rushing and two touchdowns on eight eight attempts mm-hmm. uh, against Washington and Kenyon Drake rushed for 86 yards. And then yeah. they have Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, uh, Andy Isabella is a speedster, had a big catch. So they're, that's a very talented offense. And like you said, it's a very unique offense. It's one that's going to force you to go sideline to sideline, which, uh, yeah, they're going to create who's every doing yeah. that. <laughs> I don't even well, that's know the thing. Is. It's like, can Jared Davis play in this game? I mean, I think our answer would know. be no, but like, who else is going to play for him? Like that's you know what I mean. So you're like, ah, uh, the tackling has got to be like the best it's ever been at this point going forward, especially in this game because this offense is. We saw them in their first stage last year, right? And in the second half of that Arizona game, you could, you could sort of see Kyler Murray get a little more comfortable. They are not fully functional now or operational or whatever you want to call it, but I think they're trending closer and closer toward that. This is going to be something completely different that they've seen and it's going to test them in every area of the field and if the tackling is bad they are going to light up that scoreboard like that is that's the long and short of it I mean I would expect them to spend a lot of time with the healthy bodies they have working on tackling in space and making sure that you're not just getting scorched by somebody uh you know with a three-yard window around you you've got to be able to tackle and if you can't do it in this game you're going to come home on one three yeah, and I think we will see a lot of they used a lot of uh like two, three, six, three, yeah. three, five, trying to do the math right here. Uh, alignments against the Packers. I would assume we will see I mean you can't play a base four three defense against mm, right. <laughs> this Cardinals offense. So I think we're gonna see a lot of those a lot of those defensive backs on the field. Um I don't know. Yeah. It's just that was the problem last year. Once Kyler Murray got going, there just isn't a guy, you know, mm-hmm. even if you spy him, like I don't even know who you maybe no, yeah. Collins. Like I don't even know who your spy is that well, you would trust. It's not Will Harris. Yeah. It's not Will Harris. <laughs> yeah, maybe right. Tavai. I mean, I don't know who it Oof. is that is your guy that uh you're gonna trust to just sort of lock in and keep Murray from going nuts. So yeah, this is a big Big, big test for a defense that could have used a, a pretty bad offense on the other side. Uh, I think line so. Yeah. In week three. Um all right. Well, I guess we'll end on that. Another <laughs> another happy episode here. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know where it's going. We could ask this every 30 seconds, right? Like, where is this going to head in the long run? But, I mean, it, something drastic needs to change very fast, it feels like here, because this, this just doesn't seem to be trending anywhere salvageable. I mean, I don't know how else we can spin it. 
Yeah, they've got to have. I mean, I, I said to you before we recorded, you know, like they, you looked at this schedule, you thought if they could get to three and three after mm-hmm. six weeks, they might be okay because then the schedule gets a little easier. Yeah. But they needed that Bears one if you were doing the mental right. math to get to <laughs> three and three. And now, you know, you're talking about a team that's lost 11 in a row needing to, you know, run off a few wins or I don't know. Everyone sort of circles that bye week is. Yeah, well, I mean the, the NFL's weird. After this, is weird the, stuff yeah. can happen in this league, but you've got to do your part too. And like that's kind of where I'm at with the Lions, where it's like I, I could concede somebody could leave the door open for them in one of these next two games, and they could steal one. But they've got to do their part on the other side of it, and we haven't seen any of that so far. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, Lions in, in Arizona uh, for Week Three. We'll be back next week to break it all down, preview a little bit Week Four as they come back home. Uh, against the Saints. Good luck with that one as well. Um, <laughs> but uh, thanks again to everyone for listening. Uh, one more time, you can find us uh, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, a bunch of other spots. So uh, rate us, review us, subscribe. We really appreciate it. Nick is on Twitter at Nick Baumgartner. I'm at Chris Burke NFL. Uh, thanks one more time for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.